high in the Italian Alps, there's a little chapel. And in that chapel, there's statues of the Old Testament prophets. And all the prophets are pointing in one direction. The ones on the right are pointing one way, the ones on the left are pointing in another way. And all of them are pointing to the central figure. The figure is Christ. And it illustrates what the Old Testament always teaches, that all the prophets point to Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. It reminds us what Luke writes in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. All the prophets testify about him. The him, of course, is Jesus Christ. But there's one prophet that talks about Jesus more than all the other prophets. It's the prophet Isaiah. Turn in your Bible. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We'll be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You're probably going to be familiar with this passage of Scripture because it's one of the bases of Handel's Messiah. Perhaps you've heard of that. Uh, this is where that Scripture, that, where that song comes from. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And while you're turning there, let me kind of give you the, the, the historical background of this. Isaiah wrote these words more than 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. These words talk about a king from the line of David that will be born and his rule will be perfect in every way. Even though Ahaz was evil and did not follow after God, Isaiah affirms that God will still bring a ruler to his people. And then he describes this ruler in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what he says in these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As you examine your passage, you see there's this, actually there's four names comprised of eight words arranged in two parts in this passage. There's four names given to our Savior. In each pair, there's one word that speaks of something divine about the character of the Son who is be given. And the other word is, is more functional, speaking about what this person would do, what this person would accomplish. Now, originally, as I was looking at this passage, I was going to preach on all four names in that passage. But as I got to examining it and realizing the, the, the stretch of time that I would have, I decided to focus on one name, Wonderful Counselor. Because it's really only, his name is too wonderful for us to really encapsulate. But that one seems to really explain who he is. His name is Wonderful. Let's look at that name a little bit more. It says he will be a wonderful counselor. Now, people today look for counselors. People look for counselors to solve all kinds of problems. Well, we uh, look for financial counselors to help us with our finances. Uh, George can help you with that. Uh, we have people that go to marriage counselors when they're going through marriage problems, or maybe they're having family problems, they go to counselors. We have people that seek counselors when they're going through some, some depression, or maybe they're just going through some problems in their life. So we seek out counselors. That doesn't necessarily mean they're wise counselors, but we seek them out. You know, Eve sought out counsel from Satan. 
But it wasn't good counsel. Why was that? Because the very first thing that Satan did is he attacked the Word of God. Oh, surely God did not say that. Anytime a counsel begins to attack the Word of God, you need to walk away. We need to do that. Because what happened is Eve took counsel from Satan, and then she got, uh, got Adam involved in some group therapy. And neither one of them made a wise decision based upon the counsel that they received. So just because they, they have, they're called a counselor, they might even be licensed a professional counselor. That does not mean they're offering good counsel to us. Isaiah describes this child to be born will be a wonderful counselor. Let's look at that word wonderful first. That first word that we see, uh, that wonderful, it's used elsewhere in Scripture in Psalm 78, verse 12, when it states, He did miracles in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the region of Zoan. That word miracle could be He did wonders. He did wonders in the sight of the fathers. It's the same root, the Hebrew word. It's the same word from which we get that word wonderful. God performs miracles that are beyond our ability to understand. He performs wonders that go beyond our ability to really grasp what they are. It's above our ability to understand. It's also above our ability, our ability to perform those things. This word is also used in Judges chapter 13 verse 18 when the father of Samson has heard that he will have a son and he asks this, this person, well who are you so we can give you honor when this happens? And the angel says to him or the Lord says to him, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. That word understanding comes from the same Hebrew root as wonder. He said, my name is too wonderful for you to understand. It's too wonderful for you to comprehend. It's beyond your ability to understand. It means it's a name that's wonderful and describes that which is incomprehensible. And so because other parts of the Bible say that God is wonderful, there's no doubt that when Isaiah calls this promised child wonderful, he means to say that he is divine. He is unique. He is divine. He is God himself coming into the world in the form of a child. In fact, the coming of the child would be the greatest wonder of them all. Great, God's greatest act of salvation. What a wonderful thing as we begin to understand it. The second word used of that description, wonderful, and then you have counselor. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 uh, talks about this new king would arise from the stump of Jesse. Talking this new king would come from the root uh, of David, out of the root of Jesse. And it says that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of counsel and of power. The same word is used in, in Micah chapter 4 verse 9 when the writer, when the prophet Micah links this idea of a counselor with that of a king. And he asked this question of the people. He said, why do you now cry aloud? Have you no king? Has your counselor left you? Has your counselor abandoned you? Has your counselor perished? So this idea of a counselor, of a wonderful counselor, it's one who will, be perfect, will have perfect wisdom that enables the king to make right decisions in, in leading his people. It refers to perfect understanding of the will of God, knowing exactly what is right and what the purpose of God are. You know, today we have a presidential, 
presidents. We have uh, other individuals in Congress and, and legislatures and governors and stuff like that. They surround themselves with advisors. They surround themselves with a team of counselors. We see it in the Old Testament as well. David had advisors. Solomon had advisors. Saul had advisors. They all had these individuals they surrounded around them to make sure they get wise counsel, to make sure they get the right advice. But here we see that someday there will be a king, and he will come, and he will need no advisors. He will need no counselors because he will be perfect in wisdom. He'll be perfect in counsel, and he alone will be sufficient. And he'll be able to solve all those things in his own wisdom and with his own understanding. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 29, Isaiah the prophet once again ties all these characteristics uh, to God himself. He says, all this comes from the Lord Almighty, wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. This child that is to be born is wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom had implications for the people of Isaiah's day. They were becoming a perfect king for his people because he not merely was another human king, but he was a wonder of a king, perfect in wisdom, perfect in knowledge. He will be able to lead and guide his people with perfect justice. He'll be able to lead and guide his pe people with perfect truth. He'll be able to lead and guide his people with perfect mercy and with perfect grace. And as I prepared these, this sermon this week, I kept singing a song in my office. I know, I sing in my office, not out here, okay? And I asked my good friend Kip to come share a song with us this morning. It's still true. It is still true today. He's a wonderful counselor. But you'd be surprised how many people refuse to accept his counsel today. They say he's no longer relevant He's no longer beneficial to us. But we can always count on our wonderful counselor to give us wise counsel. He will never lead us astray, and he would never give us bad advice. But we have to be willing to seek out his counsel. So I know what you're asking me. Well, Pastor, how can we seek out that counsel? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. There's four ways to seek out his counsel. The first is you seek his counsel through his word. You seek his counsel through his word. It's amazing to me how many people will come to me and seeking counsel, and I say, well, let's go to God's word and see what it says. I oh, don't, no, 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 I want wise counsel, I want counsel. I said, you've done lost me. If you won't let me use the Bible, I'm not gonna give you any counsel. Besides that, I'm not a counselor. I can give you biblical advice. That's what I can do. But so many people, they don't want to do it. But I want you to know, for every problem you're dealing with, for every situation you face, God offers advice and he offers counsel. You having financial struggles? God's word says, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but you give to God what belongs to God. You'll solve your financial problems. When you get that one right, you will solve your financial problems. If you're not doing that one, then guess what? God has no counsel for you. You won't do it because you're getting the first one wrong. Second one, uh, you having, you're having problems with those people who are mistreating you and those who are abusing you. God's counsel is this, love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you. God's wise counsel right there. You're having problems with, with, with the way that, that people treat you. You don't know how to treat them. God's word says, says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat them as you would have them 
to treat you. You're having problems with your marriage. Uh, you don't want to know what's going on. Uh, what would, what the Bible says, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Get that one right. Maybe you're stressing over food. Maybe you're stressing over clothing. Maybe you're stressing over a place to live. Maybe you're, you're stressing over the, the, the bare necessities of life in the words of Baloo the bear. Maybe you're stressing over those things. God's word, God's counsel says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. What does it mean by that? He goes, you make it a priority in life to seek God and seek his kingdom. And he'll take care of the rest. That's what God's wise counsel says to us. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, just opening up your Bible and reading the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm talking about getting some serious Bible study. Serious Bible study as you engage in the Word of God. Don't use the lucky dip method. The lucky dip method is where you open the Word and the first thing you read is what God's Word for you today. I heard about a man who did that one time. He used the lucky dip method and he opened up God's Word and the first thing he said was Matthew 27, 5. Judas went away and hanged himself. He was having problems on how to apply that one. So he said, I'll try it again. So he opened up the God's word again, and it opened up the Luke 10, verse 37. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. <laughs> he was struggling with God's word. He didn't quite know how to apply that to his word. So he said, let me do this one more time. And so he opened his Bible one more time to John 13, verse 27. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. <laughs> so the point is, you can see that sometimes when you do that, you may be reading Scripture out of context. And it might not be God's Word for you. You need to get into God's Word. And listen, not only do you need to get into God's Word yourself, but you need to be involved in a Bible study. Let me tell you what's coming down the pipe, my friends. We're going to be moving on something different this next year that we're going to expect every member of our church to be involved in a small group. Every one of you. It's going to be an agreement that you're going to sign and say, we are going to be involved in a small group. Why is that? Because we love you. And we want you growing in the Word of God. By yourself, but yes, with others as you're engaged. We have lots of great, great Bible study classes. Now, some of you are scared to death right now because you're afraid. You mean I'll have to actually study the Bible and you're going to hold me accountable for it? You know what we call that? We call that discipleship. You know what else we call that? We call that discipline. Do you know that discipline and discipleship come from the exact same Greek word? So when we are discipling you, yes, we are disciplining you, shaping you to be what God wants you to be. So yes, that's what we want you to do. We want you to be involved in God's Word. You hear that? Every member, every member needs to be involved in a Sunday school class, a Bible study class. If you're not involved, in a, if you're not involved you know what you're telling me? You don't really want to be a part. You don't really want to be a part because one of the jobs as a pastor, one of the jobs of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you're not involved in Bible study, we can't equip you. Amen. So you're already in disobedience to God's Word and you're in disobedience to the pastor who God has placed a position of authority over you to do what? To equip you to do the work. Oh, but preacher, I thought we paid you to do the work. No. No. You don't pay me to do the work. You pay me to equip you to do the work. Oh, but I'm meddling today, am I not? Word of God. You want to seek counsel, Word of God. Second way, 
pray. Pray. Some of you can recognize, man, this comes right out of Henry Blackaby, experiencing God. Pray. You read God's Word, you study God's Word, and you pray. And I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep or, you know, thank you, Lord, for this food. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you spend some time telling God that you love Him. God, I love you. Thank you for allowing me to come to your throne room. You know, God invites you to talk to Him. The, think about that. The creator of the universe invites you to have fellowship with Him. He says, just talk to me. He said, I don't know how to pray. Tell him, how you, tell him you love him. And tell him, say, God, help me. Help me live my life in a way that glorifies you. You need to be praying on your own. But yes, you need to be praying in large groups. We do that on Saturday morning. We do it on Wednesday night. Man, if you haven't been to Saturday morning prayer time, it is revival in the making. Revival in the making. Whether you're praying out loud or you're just there in unison with those who are praying, here's what could happen. As you're listening to other people praying, one, you're learning how to pray. What did Jesus say? Teach us how to pray. He can't teach you how to pray if you're not there listening to people pray. All right? That's the first thing. But he said, and as, as you pray, and all of a sudden people are praying, and you know, you know, God, I feel the same thing in my heart. You're not saying that out loud, but you're saying, Lord, make it happen. Lord, amen. Make that happen. You're in agreement with them. And what you're, what you're hearing is you may be receiving wise counsel from the individuals that are praying. They may be the answer to your prayers as they're praying the same things. Or here's the other. Oh, my God, I didn't know they were going through that. I thought they were holy. I thought they were righteous. I thought they were unique. They're just like me. Study God's word. Prayer. Second, look at your circumstances. Look at the circumstances going on around you. Two ways that works. One, look at where God is working. And if you see God working, join him in what he's doing. Get involved with what God... Well, why would you want to say, man, God's working over there. Man, that looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, walk toward it. Don't walk away from it. The other thing is, when you find yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in, you go, oh, man, stop and ask this question. How in the world did I get here? And that's what God will tell you. Well, here's some boneheaded decisions that you made that put you in that situation. Ever been there? Ever made any boneheaded decisions? Or am I the only one? Raise your hand if you've been a bonehead before. Okay, thank you. Did you learn from that? Yeah, I learned what not to do. And I learned some things that I should do. Look at your circumstances. You'll be surprised how God will speak to you in the midst of your circumstances and you learn through that. Let me give you the fourth one. You know what they are? Study the Word, prayer, circumstance, the fourth, the church. You receive counsel from the church. I'm not talking about the universal church. You know, that, that abstract out there Somebody tells, Pastor, I'm a part of the universal church. You know what they're telling me? They're not a part of anything. I'm talking about the local body of believers. Go back and examine the New Testament. Paul didn't write letters to the abstract church that dwells in Ephesus. To the abstract church somewhere in Colossae. He goes, no, to the church at Ephesus. Now, whether that was one large church or a series of small churches is irrelevant. It was churches in a specific location. Now, we get the benefit of that 
teaching today. But when I hear somebody say that, they're really telling me their heart, we don't want to be involved. Because if we're involved in a church, we might hear some counsel that we don't like. We might hear some counsel that we object to. And saying they don't really want to be under the lordship of Christ. They don't really want to be involved in the body of believers. Because it might cramp their style. And they might actually have to start living the word they say they believe. That's why it's so important that each one of us in the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we got to make sure we're hearing from God. We got to make sure that we're in tune with God because God might use us to offer counsel to someone else, not just in the preached word, in the taught word, but in conversations that we have around the table, around the fellowship table, around the prayer table, around the coffee table. I've seen a lot more counsel going on around a coffee table than I have in a lot of Sunday school classes. You've got to be involved in a local church. So this Christmas season, let me ask you to consider. Let me ask you to recommit yourself to seeking his wonderful counsel. It will change your Christmas. It will change your life. Remember that passage I read at the very beginning, Acts 10, 43? It said, all the prophets testify about him. But I really love the second part. It says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who submits to him, everyone who comes to him, receives forgiveness of sins in his name. Did you know that the wonderful counselor has the ability to forgive you of your sins? The wonderful counselor has the ability to forgive you and to put you in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Through most of this Christmas season, except for the today, we've had a cross in the center stage. The reason we had the cross there, because everything about Bethlehem points to Calvary. My friends, if you do not connect Bethlehem with Calvary, you've missed the point of Christmas. You've missed it. Jesus is a little baby. He came and he dwelt amongst men on a, on a people that would reject him, that would have nothing to do with him. The Bible says he came into his own and his own rejected him. They rejected him. He was a man who was despised and rejected by man. When they looked upon him, he was so disfigured, so hideous to look at, that they literally turned their eyes from him. Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised. And he went to the cross to die for your sins and to die for mine. Here's the thing. He chose to do it. He chose to do it. The Bible says it. Well, my favorite verses, I just can't get away from it. No matter what I do, I can't get away from it. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you hear that? Even though he knew that we would despise him, even though he knew that we would reject him, even though he, he knew that, that we would not love him back, he still died for you. 
And guess what? He still loves you. In spite of who you are. I was praying yesterday, and I don't remember it. I don't usually remember much of what I pray, but I remember this concept. I'm so thankful that God, when God looked down to save this teenage boy, he didn't see me for who I was. He saw me for what I could be. I was so thankful that when God called me to preach, he didn't see me for who I was. He saw me for what I could be. I'm so thankful that when God called me to pastor Western Heights Baptist Church, he didn't see me for who I was. He saw me for who I could be. And I'm so thankful that when God looks at each one of you, he doesn't see you the way you are. He sees you for the way you can be. He doesn't, see, he doesn't want to see you as an enemy of the cross. He wants to see you as a friend of Jesus. The Bible says at one time we were enemies of Christ. We were enemies of God. But now through Christ Jesus, we have been accepted into God's presence. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. In the end it leads to death. In the end it leads to devastation. But there is a way that God has made for us to be saved, and it is the man Jesus. It is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. He is the one. For he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. If you don't hear anything else we say this morning, anything else the choir saying, anything else that was ever uttered, if you don't hear that, we've missed the point today. I want you to know that God loves you, and he loves you with a passion that we could never begin to understand. That he was willing to literally give his life so that you might have life everlasting. In a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. I don't know how you should respond. You know, God speaks differently to people. I know how I would respond if I was sat in your place. I said, man, I need Jesus. <laughs> you know what? I do need Jesus. I need him every day of my life. I need him as my Savior all those years ago. I need him as my Lord on a daily walk. It's not enough. It's not enough just to have him as your Savior. It's not. The Bible says, if you're not confessed me before men, I'll not confess you before my Father. The Bible says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, we're entering into heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? That you believe in the one that he sent, Jesus Christ. For some of you, for the very first time, you got to say, I need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I need his wonderful counsel in my life. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. For others of you, maybe you need a church home, a place where you can get involved, a place where you can be a part of a fellowship of believers who will love you, but we will love you enough that we will never leave you where you are. We want to help push you to where you need to go in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to be a part of that. Whatever decision you make, I'm going to invite you to come. As we stand, Kip's going to come and lead us. Instrumentalists going to come and play. I'll be here. Jeremy's going to make his way up. Josh is going to be here as well. We'll be here to pray with you, to talk with you. Whatever you need, we're here for you.